Luke chapter 16, from verse 1 onwards. Jesus told the story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who'll give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? Band replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the man, so the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. I will come back to verse 8, but for now, we're going to continue reading this. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Praise be to God. I will go back to verse 1 again. Now, Jesus Christ is talking to his people, his disciples, that he had around him, with him, a very important principle. Principle pertaining to eternal life, everlasting life. Our home is on this side of eternity for a short time. Where we are going to live matters the most because we're going to live there forever and ever and ever. So as we read these uh, scriptures, as we read these scriptures, we need to look at each verse and read them really carefully because this is pertaining to our forever home where we're going to be. Forever city where we're going to live. Forever job that we're going to have. That God is going to give to us. As much as we strive to be something in this world, to get an acknowledgement here, to get uh, a well done there, and to appear good over here, all these things will fade away. But I want to tell you something. There are two things that the Spirit of God is bringing to us tonight. Very important. In this world, 
in this world, those who honor God will be honored by God and God will make sure that this world, not the entire world, but those who are called by God, people who are of this world will honor them. Honor comes from God. Those who honor God will be honored by God. I want to say it again. Those who honor God will be honored by God. Those who honor God will be honored by God. Write this down. Those who honor God will be honored by God. Where? In this world and in the world to come. In this world and in the world to come. Those who honor God by what? Very important. Those who honor God by what? Those who honor God with their bodies will be honored by God in their bodies. God will bless the bodies that honors God. That means this body belongs to God. I will honor this body because it belongs to God. I will take good care. I will eat what I should eat. I will wear what I should wear. And I will not misuse or mistreat this body. and will not let other people misuse or mistreat this body. I pray that this gets deep into you. Which means you honor this body as a vessel of God with honor. That means what you wear, how you conduct is very important. How you carry yourself is very important. When you honor this body as a vessel of God, that means this is the vessel where the spirit of God lives. And this is the vessel that carries God. And it has a certain kind of dignity and honor. that you don't treat it like someone who's walking down the street and says, I don't care what I wear. I don't care how I look. Or you have another one that's even lower than that who walks around like a, a street person, a prostitute. Where they think like, oh, this is, this is how it is to be cool or this is how it is to be to have this person look at me or that person look at me. When that kind of a, a cheap, cheap mentality or attitude comes in, that attitude and that mentality bears the smell of death. That is the smell of hell. So it is very important. It's like a person who is carrying a dead animal or dead body with them walking around. That's how it is. When a person who dishonors their body, that body which should be the temple of God, if it has the white exterior and dead man's bone on the inside, it carries stink with it wherever that body goes. God is speaking to her today. Your body is a temple of God. What you wear is important, should matter to you. Very important. Now, there are people who say, well, I don't care what I wear. And well, if that guy is looking, that's his problem. Who told him to look? Oh, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Who are you? Now, there are dogs everywhere. There are stray dogs everywhere and stray dogs can come barking. But you do what you have to do and you protect yourself. You won't be bit by the dog. But you put yourself in the place where stray dogs are. You will be bit by the dogs. This is why those who sin and those who cause others to sin will get equally punished. We have to understand that. Those who sin and those who cause others to sin get equally punished. Well, as a man of God, when I say man of God, I'm talking about a believer who is supposed to be the temple of God. As a woman of God, I'm talking about a believer. I'm not talking about 
the big term, man of God, big term, woman of God, that is reserved for those whom God calls man of God or woman of God, like Moses, like Elijah, like Samuel. But I'm talking about the average man of God, the average woman of God, who is supposed to be representing God on earth. What you wear is important. If you carry your body with honor and don't prostitute your body, even though you call yourself a Christian, but not hold your body in honor as a believer should. And your mind is full of immorality and you're just like the street person who's out there. And you walk like them, talk like them, dress like them, behave like them, act like them. And you put yourself out there just like them. Don't expect God to honor that body. He will not. Don't expect that body to prosper and to flourish and bloom and to bear fruit for the Lord. It will not happen. Every single person who learns to honor God with whatever you lay at the altar and say, Lord, this is yours and it's exclusively yours. That exclusively yours will become his and he will honor that in an exclusive manner. It's the prophecy that God is speaking at this hour. When you reserve yourself for the king, the king will delight in you. The king will honor those whom he delights in. Very important. So honoring God with your bodies. When you honor God with your bodies, God will honor you. God will honor your body. God will make sure that that body will prosper. That body will serve God. Yes, there will be. The enemy who will try to attack on all those things. But you know what? Ultimately, he can't touch that. Ultimately, he cannot destroy that. Unless God gives permission, Satan cannot destroy that. And God will not allow Satan to destroy anyone who honors their body and gives it over to God. What happened to Abraham? What happened to Isaac at Mount Moriah? When he took Isaac and he said, hear God. I've preached on this before. I encourage you to listen to these messages. It'll really help you in a big way. The Bible never says Abraham had a second of struggle with God to say, oh, God, you've asked me to do this. And how am I going to do this? And this is a big thing you asked from me, oh, Lord, and and cry. And how am I going to hide this from my wife? And, you know, what's going to happen with him? And what am I going to answer? No. This is why Abraham was called the father of faith. He was a man of faith. He grew to that place where when God called him, he said, yes, Lord, not because he was a callous dad and not because he didn't love. No, God himself knew how much he loved Isaac. He said, the son that you love so dearly, take that son and go to Mount Moriah. As much as he loved his son, he also knew his God. That's the most beautiful part. As much as he loved Isaac, he knew his God. He knew how much his God loved him. And he knew how much his God loved Isaac. That's what you call faith. That's why the struggle was not there as opposed to a lot of these Abraham and Isaac story movie makers portray to be. Abraham is like really struggling and they tried to show the humanness of Abraham in a way that it'll appeal to the rest of the people. All the failures to think that this is how Abraham was also. He was also struggling and hitting his head on the wall and punching his hand on the floor and, and trying to say, Oh God, why did you ask me to do this? And all those, uh, 
ungodly behavior because Abraham never did that. Because these film producers who produce these things, they don't have a walk with God. They don't know the God of Abraham. They will produce all these kind of uh, unbiblical, ungodly, unlike Abraham behavior. But the truth is, in Hebrews 11, it talks about how God talks about Abraham. And he says, how Abraham was so full of faith. How he offered Isaac full of faith. What is faith? Faith is knowing your God and knowing that he cares and knowing that he provides and knowing that he will answer you and knowing that he will keep his promise. And Abraham believed that. God loved him and God loved Isaac. And he said in Isaac, and that means in Isaac, it'll happen. And so he said, come on, let's go. Because he knew his God and he believed his God and he knew that his God loved him. His God loved Isaac. When Isaac asked, Daddy, where is the lamb for sacrifice? He said, God will provide because he knew God cared for Abraham. God cared for Isaac. God cared for them. He called them to come up and he knew God will give the lamb for sacrifice. He did not turn around and look at Isaac and say, well, you are the lamb. No. He didn't do that. He said, God will provide. Listen to the message. There are quite a number of messages that God has given to us and have spoken on that. It will bless you greatly. But coming back to Abraham and Isaac, as Abraham gave Isaac to God, what happened to Abraham and what happened to Isaac? All of a sudden, fire came down from heaven and it took Isaac away. And there was Abraham alone with God. And, and Abraham cried, oh, my God, my God, why did you take my son away? And how will you do this? And Abraham cried. And finally, he said, I surrender, Lord, even if I don't have Isaac, I'll go down with you. Yes, I believe for a lamb, but there's, you know, this um uh, son that you asked and he is a sacrifice and I sacrifice Isaac to you and that's at my old age I'm going to be thinking that I sacrifice Isaac when I come to heaven I will see Isaac and did it, did it end like that no no he didn't expect that to happen and that's not what happened he expected a lamb to be there and a lamb was there he expected God to provide that sacrifice. And it says in the thicket that ram was there. God is a God who honors your faith and honors you with what you give to God. And so how did God honor Abraham? How did God honor Isaac? The Isaac that was given to God, what happened to Isaac? That Isaac was no more just Abraham's son Isaac. In Isaac came Jacob, the father of Israel. It's all happening after that Mount Moriah experience where Abraham offered Isaac to God. So whatever you offer to God, always remember, it's going to God Almighty. And guess what? Abraham became Father Abraham, not only on earth, even in heaven. To the extent that when Jesus gave the story of the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus, Jesus says, this poor man was carried into the bosom of Abraham. What an honor. What an honor. God honored Abraham in this world and also in the world to come. So we need to have this in mind. Whatever we give to God, God will honor that 
not after we go to heaven. That's a big thing. Even if we just have that, that's a big thing because that's what we're actually going to look forever and ever and ever. But in this world where we are, God will honor those who honor him. There's a scripture. I can take you to that, but I'm not going there because God wants us to stick to this, stick to this text. And if I need to give you that, I'll give the reference for that later. Him who honors me, him will my father honor. He who honors the Lord, God will honor him. In what way can you honor God is what we're seeing today. Honor God with your body, God says. Glorify God with your body, which is God's. Glorify God with your body, which is God's. You are the temple of God. Don't you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you? Therefore, glorify God with your body, which is God's. You can honor God with your body because it belongs to God. That means it, it is his. He gave it to you. And all you're doing is you're treating it with honor because it belongs to him. And you have the awareness that this is his possession. You know, when you know you got this from somebody and you have to return it to them, if you are a responsible person, you will treat that which you have received from someone even better than your own item because you know that you have to give it to them. If you have any kind of regard, any kind of regard for somebody else's stuff. When you know that this body is a temple of God, it belongs to God. And you treat it with honor. You know what happens? The God who sees your integrity will honor you. He will honor that body. He will take that body to places that that body would have never dreamt it will go to. He will use that body in a way that that body would have never thought it will be used ever before. Because it's exclusively God's. That's where God's power will come into the body. That's where God's presence will come into the body. That's where God's blessing will come into the body. And God will honor the body that honors God. So with this in mind, which is the physical body, I also want to talk about the mind, which the spirit of God is bringing to us at this hour. You honor God with your mind. What happens is, that mind will prosper before God. That mind will not become a tool of Satan. That mind will not become a door where Satan can come in and destroy the body or destroy God's work. But that mind will become a habitation of the living God when you know to honor your mind for God. That means this is the mind that God has given to me, which goes along with the body. And you say, because there's a mind given by God, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is holy, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is praiseworthy, whatever will honor God, that's what this mind will think. That means you don't think about bitter things. You don't think about he did this, she did this, they did this. And you don't think about any, because as you think, you know how Satan is, Satan is a deceiver. He will come and he will twist things in the minds of people where people will feel justified. They will sit in sin, not even knowing that they're sitting in sin. And they will feel righteous about what they're doing, fully blinded to the truth. That's what deception is. 
So when the mind is not fully in control by the Holy Spirit, when the mind is not fully given over to the Holy Spirit, when the mind is not honoring God, that means his mind is thinking thoughts that it shouldn't think. Upset, bitter about someone, bad about someone. These are all not of God. When that mind dwells on these things, there's this deconstruction that is going on. Whatever God is working in you, you are allowing the devil to damage, deconstruct whatever God is doing. So bitterness, uh, speaking bad about people, thinking bad about people, bad thoughts, whatever is not pure, immoral thoughts, jealous thoughts, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts. When someone has this, wish I have this. Oh, those are not good things. Greed. These thoughts will defile the mind of a human being. When the defilement happens, Satan is very happy. You know why? In a defiled mind, Satan will come and set up his shop and he'll say, I like this place. As much as God loves holiness, he is the Holy Spirit. Satan is an unclean evil force. Wherever he finds uncleanness, he will come and sit there. For the Lord to come in, you need to invite him. For Satan to come in, you don't have to. He will push his way in because he's the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he will force his way in to get into someone's life. Mind is very important. If your mind is given over to God, then God can use that mind in a mighty way. You can receive revelations from God through that mind. The spirit of God reveals the truths to the spirit of man, but he works through the mind. God will use that mind to build things. God will use that mind to build a person. God will use that mind to build your spouse. God will use that mind to build a fellow believer. God has given us the mind to build someone. The Bible says, don't just look into your own interest, but look into the interest of your fellow believers. You see, the, you see the weakness of a fellow believer. The Bible says, bear with the weakness of a fellow believer and see that they will get stronger in the Lord. How can that happen if we constantly see the fault in someone and if we keep finding fault and keep finding fault and keep making it bigger satan will actually come and make it much bigger than it is so these are the traits that we need to see and say oh lord during this this 21 days of fasting and prayer there has to be the cleansing that needs to take place in my life this goes for every single one here and you have to say this cleansing has to take place in my life lord where my mind will think only pure things, where my mind will only think good things, that my mind will only think holy things, that my mind will not become corrupt or give room for corruption. No unclean things should enter into that mind because along with the uncleanness will come Lucifer. You have to be very careful. So when that mind is given over to God, God will bless that mind and that mind will be a blessing. And along with that body, because when the mind is clean, the body will be clean. When the body and the mind are clean together, there's this blessing of God that will come upon this body, which carries this mind. So your mind will be in good condition. 
sound mind the Bible talks about. God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, a mind that has that self-control, a mind that thinks right, a mind that is strong, not a weak mind. When will that happen? When that mind is given over to God, you say, I glorify my God with my body and with my mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. So mind plays a very important role when it comes to honoring God. When you honor God with your body and you honor God with your mind, God will honor you on this side of eternity and in the world to come. Very important. The next is honoring God with your words. That also goes with your body. I'm talking about the body, but within the body, you have the mind and you have the words. Honoring God with your words. There are some people who think a whole bunch of things, but will not say a word. They are just keeping everything inside. That's like a wound that is infected and you have infection that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you have others who just bring everything out. That's like a sick person who is vomiting. And when they vomit, everybody sees. He's vomiting. Bottom line is, both are sick on the inside. For one person, a cancer is just inside. It's, after some time, it's going to show up. For the other person, the vomit is coming out. This person is sick too. Your words are very important. What you speak is very important. Always learn to measure your words. It's very important. God is speaking at this hour. Your words are very important in this world. We are judged by what we speak. We are judged by what we speak. Jesus said that be very careful. A false balance is an abomination before God. So what we speak is very important. You know, a lot of times we can see something and we can say, I saw this and this is what I say I saw. And because I saw what I saw, I think this is what they thought. And I say that this is what they thought. But God has his right balance. So be very careful. One person you don't want to get into trouble with is God Almighty. When someone never said something and you assume that they said it, and you say that they said it, at that point, you are found guilty before God. Why do you want to get yourself trouble? Why do you want to get yourself in trouble with God Almighty? Are you God? Do you know every thought that a person is thinking? Just because of the action, can you say that this is what I perceive and this is why this happened? Can you just spin a whole tale out of it? No, you can't. Because God Almighty sees the way he sees everything. And it's like a broad daylight before God. For human beings, the vision is very limited. The understanding is very limited. Those two are not a good combination. But in addition to that, you have Satan who sits there. Hmm. I know your character. I know your personality. Now I'm going to twist things more there. What is the goal of Satan? Two kinds of ambitions and goals that Satan has. One is by bringing bad thoughts, suspicion, making you see something the way he wants you to see. 
he is destroying you. And with your reaction, he's destroying the next person. With your talk, he's destroying someone else. We have to understand this. Two things happen. Damage. When you speak bad about someone, when they are not there, unless it is to someone who is in charge of that, it concerns them and they have the power to fix that unless it's that position. That means, but in a very plain way, if five children are there or 10 children are there, one has something against the other one. The person that they need to bring it to is the parent. Because the parent has the power to talk to that child who this one thinks did something wrong to fix it. That's the only person. But if you go around talking to people, what happens at that point? It's actually going to spread whatever spirit this person has to the next one and 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 to the next one. And And that is not God's spirit. The Bible very clearly says this. Unless it's somebody in, in charge or if you have something against someone, you directly go to them and talk and reconcile, set things right. Those are two things. Those are only two options that are there. Anything beyond that is gossip. Anything beyond that is a sin before God. At that point, we sin with our mouths. This is something God is bringing to us at this hour because it ties in with the oneness that God is looking for in order to move our church forward and in order to move you spiritually. Because many times, many things in our lives itself will come to a standstill many times because we won't even know that we hit the brake. You can hit the brakes for your own blessings. God is speaking at this hour. You can hit the brakes for your own blessings. And you'll be wondering, I'm not going forward. I'm not going forward. God says, take your foot off the brakes. You are the cause. We may be pointing out a thousand different reasons, but the cause is right here. That's what the spirit of the Lord is showing me at this hour. For your own blessing, you have your foot on the brakes. You're not going forward. You know why? Because you have the foot, your foot on the brakes. You're wondering, why am I not moving forward? Why am I not moving forward? God says, don't sin with your mouth. Don't sin with your mind. The psalmist says this. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a watch over the doors of my lips. Sin with the mouth it can cause a lot of damage. Number one, to you. And then number two, to whoever the sin is. If you sneeze on someone, they get sick too. So as you hear these words of the spirit of God, you have to come to the understanding. I need to honor God with my body, which includes my mind and includes my words. So the action comes with it. Your words very much is important. How you speak, what you think, what you say, and what you do. All three are connected, should be connected. So what you speak is very important. How you speak is very important. When you speak is very important. 
this is why God says, you will be judged by what you speak. Every word that you speak. Think about it. How many words do you speak during the day? How fast you speak? How slow you speak? It doesn't matter how much you speak and what you speak matters the most. Is it pleasing to God? Are you justifying yourself? Are you weighing your own self and saying that I'm right? Are you being your own judge? Or is the spirit of God having your mind, your heart, your words in the balance? What is he saying? May the Lord speak to your hearts at this hour. Very important. My soul, my mind, my heart belongs to you. You paid the price for me way back on Calvary. When I have the understanding that I need to be doing all these things because I want to be well. I need to be doing all these things because I want to honor God. I need to be doing all these things because I want to be a blessing to God in this life. I don't want to waste away. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste anything that God has given to me. I don't want to waste my life. And that understanding comes to you. And you say, me, myself, and I not only take the back seat, but as God says, throw behind the back where you can't even see. Go underneath the bottom of the sea where you can never retrieve. That's what God is looking for. How you are in your private life and in your public life is very important. May God grow every single one in this house of God. My conduct, my speech is very important. How you conduct yourself, how you carry your body, how you represent yourself, whether in the house of God or outside matters. Unless you think that I bring, I come to the church and I come to church every Sunday and there I have the Holy Spirit inside me. And when I leave the church, I leave the Holy Spirit right there and I go outside. And so when I go to work, when I go to school or when I go anywhere else, I'm a different person, different than what I'm in church. And someone outside, they look at me, they say, oh, are you the same person? You look so different. You talk different. You dress different. You act different. You're different. If that's the case, then you're not a real Christian. You're a hypocrite at that point. If your behavior in church is different than your behavior outside church, you're a hypocrite. But if your behavior in church is the same as your behavior outside, that you know that whether I'm in church or outside the church, I carry the presence of God and I honor this body as a temple of God. God will honor you. God will honor you. Where? Right here in this world. In your lifetime. God will honor you. God will honor you. Those are the people whom God will honor. Where honorable people will come and honor such people who are worthy of double honor. God is speaking to our hearts today. If you don't honor God in your body and if you don't honor the body that God has given to you and if you don't 
control your mouth and if you don't control your mind and if you don't think holy thoughts in your mind and holy words that come from your mouth, then let me tell you this. You won't be honored by God. You can strive and seek honor for yourself and even think that it's coming from God, but it's not. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to conclude. The next kind of honor is honoring God. Honoring God with your family, your substance. Now, honoring God with your family means with your house, what you have in your house, what you play in your house, what you watch in your house. It's honoring God in your house. If you want God to be in your house and if you want God to honor your house, honor you and honor the house that God has given. That means if you honor the house as the house of God, then the presence of God will be in the house. What you watch and what you do in your house, what you talk on the phone and how you live is very important. What you see on your phone is very important. Whatever you do to give yourself over to the Lord and whichever part of your life that you give to God, all of me is important. God will honor you. That house will become a storehouse of blessing to multitudes. If that house is honored by God and you honor it, then it will become a storehouse of blessing. What is the conversion there? The conversion is, in this world, it's a blessing. And this is actually converted into eternal currency where when you go to heaven, the blessing that came from here will be transferred over there which is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Then, honoring God with your family. What you do with what God has given to you, your spouse, your children. Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Those who serve God with everything that God has given to them. God will bless every member of that unit that serves God. Every single one of them. There's this honor that will come from God to each and every single one of them. But God will place them on a place of honor because they chose to honor God. Every single one of them. Very important. See, these are things that are not perishable. If God is not in the picture, then what happens is, Whatever relationships we have on earth is perishable. People die. There are no families in hell. You see? You can never have grandma and grandpa in hell. Everybody hugging and crying together. Burning together in fire. None of those things. Everybody gets dispersed. Hell is a place where no one should ever go to. Hell is a place where Satan will torment every single person day and night. It's a place where worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If I don't say it today, God will hold me accountable as the Spirit of God wants me to say it today. Hell is a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a place where no one will see friends. Hell is a place full of hate. Hell is a place full of torment day and night. Hell is a place full of pain. 
Hell is a place full of thirst where you thirst and thirst and thirst for even a single drop of water, but you can never get. Hell is a place where people cry so that they can come out, but they can never come out. Hell is a place where people wish death, but they can never die. Hell is a place where the evil serpent is there. Bringing people's life before them and mocking them. Hey fool, you rejected Christ. You listen to me. Look at the reward I'm giving you. Hell is the place where Satan will whip people and torment them for good. Hell is a place where, once again, the fire burns forever. Whoever is there, they are burning and burning and burning and burning. They can feel pain. They can never have a reprieve, even for a second. Hell is a place we should never wish even our enemies to go there. However, because people make their choice to follow Lucifer, they end up there. Not because God sent them there, because they sent themselves there, because they said, I don't want this Jesus. This Jesus died and he did so what? I don't want his blood. Even if he suffered and died so much, I reject him. I don't want him. And they listen to Satan and they say, I'll do whatever Satan tells me to do. I live a double life. I will lie. I'll act like a Christian and I will do this and I will do that. Oh, the scariest part is many have died in their sleep. They cannot have another minute. Even if they want to say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. They cannot have that ever again. May God speak to our hearts today. God speak to our hearts today. This is why this message is so important. This is why we want our family members saved. This is why we want our loved ones saved. So those who don't have Jesus Christ, when they die, as the crowd gets smaller and smaller, the 100 becomes 80, 80 becomes 60, 60 becomes 40, 40 becomes 20. People keep leaving and leaving and leaving. And then your turn comes, you leave. If you have lived your life worthy for all that Christ did for you on the cross, that you received his forgiveness and you lived a forgiven life by not turning your back on the cross, by not playing games with the one who bought you with his precious blood from the hands of Satan, who rescued you, you will go to be with the Lord forevermore. And you raise your children the same way. That's what whoever goes first will wait for the next person to come. And when the next person comes, you have such a beautiful reunion there in heaven where there's joy and laughter, satisfaction. So much to do there. Depending on how you live your life over here, you will be a ruler over there. That's why this life is so important. That's why what we do here on this world is so important. That's why how we live our life on this side of eternity is so important. So your relationship here, if you don't have Christ, it ends. It ends. And in hell, it's misery. Each person that you thought you loved will be hating each other and screaming, why did you come here? Why didn't you tell me all fight and chaos and pain and screaming and pain and agonizing with not a second of relief there. But those who love God and close their eyes on this side of eternity, they go into eternal bliss. 
The happiness and joy, whatever we experience, even in the presence of God, will be like a shadow compared to what we're going to enjoy there. All that God has reserved for his people, you cannot compare, you cannot come close to all that God has for us. It cannot come close to what we experience over here. With all the beauty God has created in this world, with all the scenery and all the places that people can travel, it cannot come. Yes, God created this world. But you know what? It's a fallen world. It cannot come close to the perfect world that is there. It cannot come close to the joy that God has over there. And so those who live a life surrendered to God, experience God's honor here and honor there. Their families will experience God's honor here and God's honor there. And when they close their eyes on eternity, depending on who goes first and who comes next, they're all going to be reunited there. You have your family there together. You have the church people there together. That's the real family. A family that is bought by the blood of Jesus, physical family and spiritual family together. That's a real family because that's the family. It's the only family that's going to last forever. That's the only family that's going to live forever and ever and ever. Everything else dies. The house that we build, the lands that we buy, the work that we do, the songs that we sing and, and the dance that we dance, then you know, the money that we save, everything goes like a vapor. It just goes right before our eyes. It'll go. As we keep running and running and running, the crowd gets smaller and smaller and smaller. God is speaking at this hour. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, let her hear what the spirit of God is speaking at this hour. So in this parable, in this parable, Jesus said something very important that brings us down to the next category. Honoring God with our bodies, which includes our mind, it includes our speech, our words, our actions go with it. Honoring God with our family, our house, our children, our family, our relationships, honoring God with it. God honors all of that here and there. Third is honoring God with our substances. Whatever God has given into our hands, people who are wise will know how to invest, where to invest. Investing in the kingdom of heaven is something that will last forever. Where moth and rust cannot corrupt that. Jesus said over here, this parable. This rich person had an employee and this employee was going to be fired. And when this employee was about to be fired, he calls this people who, who owed whatever to his master. He said, okay, if you owe hundred, you know, put 50 and just give me 50. And he's making some kind of an arrangement with each and every single person. That's the point here. Jesus is talking about now. It's not about whether this man did was right or not. That's not what God is talking about. There's this principle that the spirit of God is talking about. So don't get sidetracked and just miss the main point here. There is this principle that God is driving here. What is the principle? The children of this world are more shrewd than the children who say that they belong to God. Let me just take you to that scripture. Verse eight. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I'm reading from the New International Version, that's why I didn't read this before in this 
version, but the Lord had me have this uh, NLT yesterday and today. So I'm just reading from NLT. I usually read from New King James. We'll just continue reading with this. And the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Why is that? Why is that the children of this world are wiser than the children of the light? What are they doing? They're using the brains that God has given to them. They're using the senses that God has given to them. For what? To make some kind of a gain. To escape the snare that is there. To escape that homelessness that is there. Where am I going to live? So I got to do this. And he is using that mind that God has given to them. What is God saying here? They're using, this guy is using the mind for this world. In order for him to have that place. But he says the children of the light, they're not using that mind that God has given for something that will last forever. And God says, use that, use your mind, use your mind. I'm telling you what will happen. Use your mind. That's what God says. And he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Very, very important. Eternal home. What is God saying here? Very simple. The earthly possession that God has given to you, use it to win souls for Jesus Christ. Use what God has given to you to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. So what happens when your life on earth is over? Who is going to welcome you there? All the people who were touched by your, what was that? What was that? Preaching of the gospel? That's one level. But he's talking about the earthly possession. What God has given into our hands, use it so that when your life on earth is over, they will welcome you into the eternal habitation or eternal abode, the Bible says. What God has given into our hands. When we honor God with our substance, there are many scriptures for that scripture which says, honor God with your substance, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a whole different area itself. But I'm just sticking with the scripture that the Spirit of God gave to us today. You honor God with your substance to reach people for Jesus Christ. Then, when your life on earth is over, God will honor you there. Where the people who got touched by, what was it? What was it? Your wealth, your substance. Those people will welcome you into the eternal habitation. And then Jesus goes to this. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities and if you are untrustworthy about the worldly wealth who will trust you with the true riches of heaven what is the connection between this and that oh there's a big connection there a very big connection there with what god has given to you 
if God can trust you to win souls for Christ in his kingdom. And we just say, me, myself, and I. God says, how will God give you any kind of responsibility there in the kingdom of heaven? When? When we get to heaven. There are many things God has for us in eternity. But your choice begins here. What you do with what you have is very, very important. Pastor Pradeep and I, since we got married, we gave our everything to God. Everything means literally everything to God. How to touch the hearts of the people and how to bring them to eternal life has to be understood. With telling or without telling, it has to be worked by the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God wants me to share this with you so that by hearing, there will be a working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of your heart. Well, let me tell you this. Without a penny of any savings, you know, there are people who advised this long time ago. Oh, you need to save for your kids' tuition. Oh, you need to save for this. Oh, you need this. And some came and said, oh, you will be like the man. Things that you just have it and you store it and you store it and you keep it. Just worms come. It's not going to do much. But what God has given into your hands. When you say, Lord, I'll be a wise steward. I'm going to invest it into eternity. God will take that. He will double it. He'll triple it. He'll maximize it for his glory. That means those five loaves and two fish will be multiplied by God Almighty. Where your reward on this side of eternity and in the next will be not according to what you gave. Good measure pressed down, shaken over, shaken, running over. Men shall pour into your bosom. That's this side of eternity. How does that happen? God does it through people. But then there's this another side of eternity where God says, all these people, all these people who are touched by, what was it? Your material giving. Not just preaching. That's a whole different thing. Not just singing. That's a whole different thing. Not just your physical labor. That's a whole different thing. But the material possession that you use towards God. The wealth that are perishable. That perishable wealth, God says, turn that into imperishable thing. By investing it into the kingdom of God. Amen.